Everything that happens to Jesus in the gospel happens for our sake and for our instruction. And in this reading from the first chapter of Mark, we get this account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And compared to Matthew and Luke, it's incredibly brief. There's no mention of the specific temptations or any dialogue between Jesus and Satan. Just this very simple account of his entrance into the desert and his coming away from it. So it might seem that there's not a lot sort of to go on here. But I think the fact that the Holy Spirit has inspired St. Mark to, to write this simple account means there, there is, in fact, something here for us. So I want to offer you a sort of brief meditation on, on this very short gospel, but what it means not only for our spiritual life in general, but, but for Lent, the season that we, we enter into, often referred to as sort of going into the desert. The first and I think perhaps the most striking thing about this gospel is the first line. The Spirit, as in the Holy Spirit, drove Jesus out into the desert. This is immediately following upon his baptism, where the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, and the Heavenly Father proclaims him his beloved Son. And so what happens? The Spirit drives Jesus into the desert. The thing about the, the desert, just in the physical sense, is that it's, it's a harsh place. It's difficult to stay alive. It's not generally pleasant. And also, in, in the Christian tradition, the desert, in a sense, the, the desert fathers and mothers following Jesus see the desert as a place that is sort of wild, and this is where the demons are. And just as Jesus goes into the desert, is driven by the Spirit into the desert to confront uh, his demons, in a way so too the whole church is doing that in this period of, of Lent. And it's very easy, but also I think very dangerous in the spiritual life to always judge things according to our senses, you know, how we're feeling about something, you know, whether something is pleasant or unpleasant. And here we have, after this declaration of, of God's love, the Father's love for Jesus, the Son, the Spirit drives him into this harsh place to be tempted. In fact, that's what Luke's Gospel says, the purpose of being driven is to be tempted by the devil. And so if this is what, what the Son of God experiences in his sort of spiritual life on earth, In a sense, we should also expect that in encountering the love of God and, you know, his declaration of our our sonship in him and in Jesus Christ, and in giving us the Holy Spirit, baptism, confirmation, that we should expect the Spirit, too, to take us into these, these difficult places of trial. It's a, a great mistake to assume that just because it seems like things are difficult in spiritual life, in prayer, prayer's dry, we don't seem to be getting something, 
it's very easy and, and I think very wrong to assume that we have done something wrong and that something is going wrong and that God is no longer absent. And in, in fact, usually it's those times where God's grace is more present even when he feels more absent to us. So if Jesus is being driven into the desert, that's where we should, in a sense, expect to go. Then Mark says he remained in the desert for 40 days. He remained in the desert 40 days. It's a long time. And so too in, in the spiritual life, as in any kind of you know, relationship, for it to really grow and to deepen, it takes time. You know? One enchanted date does not a marriage make. I see lots of head nodding from some people in the audience who have experience with these sorts of things. And so too with God, it's not, it's not the one experience or one encounter with Him or His love in this profound way. Experience, as important as those experiences are, it's not, it's not those one-time events that really make the relationship. It's the traveling through the desert in the difficult times for 40 days. That's why so, Teresa of Avila says, so essential for the spiritual life is perseverance, to just keep going. To just keep going. That, that that is how saints are made. Because it's in that perseverance that day after day, the choosing to love God, choosing to believe in His love day after day, even if it doesn't feel present, to believe that it is and to act on it, that's where we really draw close to the Lord. And Jesus remained. He remained. He was not imprisoned in the desert for 40 days. He chose. He chose to be there. And that too is a, a key part of our you know, friendship with God, a relationship with Him. It's a free choice. God drags no one kicking and screaming into heaven, even if sometimes it seems like it. But ultimately, if everybody who's in heaven is there because they want to be there. He chose to remain. And after Jesus remained in the desert for 40 days, what? He was tempted by Satan. I think part of the lesson of this one is, is very simple, that the devil is real. That the devil is real, that you know he prowls about the world seeking the ruin of souls, as St. Peter says. And whatever might be our own sort of personal weaknesses, which are, you know, manifold because of original sin and personal sin, that there is a force out there, a person, persons, who want to exploit those weaknesses to take us away from God. And there's something kind of fake, but also something kind of true about all those cartoons where there's you know, a little angel sitting on one shoulder and a little devil sitting on the other, and they're both whispering back and forth. And I think there's a lot, a lot more truth in that than we would like to admit, that, that the devil really is there oftentimes whispering, urging us, not making us, because he cannot, but whispering his way into our hearts. I was just reading a, a book recently about willpower, and by scientists, social scientists who are agnostics, but they have, they have a, a section on uh, religion and how it relates to willpower, and they, they tell the story of, of the uh, great essayist uh, Mary Carr, who's a recovering alcoholic, and she tells the, the, the story in her life is she was trying to recover, and one night she was uh, at this you know, swanky cocktail party at some 
think it was like the Morgan Library or somewhere in New York or something, Some, something, you know, very highfalutin. And she desperately wanted a drink. And she was craving it so badly and, and she just couldn't, she couldn't keep going on her own. And so she, she excused herself and she went into the ladies' room and got into a stall and closed the door and knelt down and started to pray. And she said, I really need your help right now. I, I know I you know, haven't been open to it before and I haven't been really asking, but I'm really desperate now. Please, please, please help me. And she said, the primal chattering in my skull dissipated as if some wizard conjured it away. There's this little voice that was pecking at her, trying to get her to drink, and as soon as she prayed, it disappeared. So I think it's a grave mistake to ignore the reality of the devil's temptations, but it's also, I think, a grave mistake to be disturbed by them. To think that just because we are tempted, that again, something has gone terribly wrong. No, this is just life and we have these weaknesses. doesn't mean that God has abandoned us because we are tempted. And it's not something to fear or to be ashamed of. But it is something to be dealt with, I think, first of all, by, by prayer, but also by the good works that are encouraged in this Lenten time. Fasting, which Jesus does. Fasting and almsgiving, works of mercy towards others. Love of neighbor, essentially. That those are the things that help open us to grace, that undo the work of sin in our lives. And I think we also can't be, in a sense, ashamed of sin because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who knew no sin, also knew temptation. And so if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us. And we should just be prepared for it. And after Jesus is tempted by Satan, Mark says he was among the wild beasts. And so, yes, he's in this place of danger, like Daniel in the lion's den, but there's no mention of Jesus being harmed by them. In the sense that simply being around dangers is is not enough. That Jesus went to the, the desert driven by the Spirit, and the Spirit is there to help him and protect him. And then what happens? And the angels ministered to him. You know, just as the devil is real, I think it's really important to believe that the angels are real. And I know at, at certain times I've you know, felt their presence and their intercession on you know, behalf of myself, but especially for others, others I'm worried about. Sometimes I'll pray the, the fifth glorious mystery to our, the crowning of Mary's queen of heaven and earth. And almost always when I do that, I'm, you know, I ask her, you know, she's the queen of heaven. You know, we need, we need some backup. We need some more angels. And, and I ask her to send some. And so I, you know, I've just, I've seen their work in, in people's lives. So just as the devil is real, angels are real too. And many a very holy person has recommended their friendship. And so all of this, I think, speaks to our experience of Lent. Jesus, there's very brief two sentences about Jesus' time in the desert. But even in those two sentences, there's a lot there. And Jesus gives us this model of himself. And so what happens after that? that John is arrested, his voice is silenced, 
and Jesus comes into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. That all of the preparation work that, that God was doing through the prophets comes to an end. And now God himself speaks. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And the time of Lent is the time when we answer that. That now is the time. Now I'm going to turn away from sin. Now I'm going to give up these even good things, Lord, to turn back to you. Now I'm going to love my neighbor better in these concrete ways. Now I'm going to pray. Lent is the church's way of responding to Jesus' preaching, to repent and, and to believe in the gospel. And now is the time, and this is the time. Pope St. Gregory the Great said, The God who promises mercy to sinners does not promise them tomorrow. That now is the time. Now is the time to hear the Son of God who has been tempted, who has been filled with the Spirit, who has come out of the desert victorious, speak to us. Because he is speaking still. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel.